Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, and how is everybody doing out there this、uh, Monday night? We've had quite a day today over here at the Sea Report, and、uh, well, we're、uh, happy to be back with you, ladies and gentlemen.、Uh, welcome to our official Monday episode of the Sea Report. We're coming to you guys a little bit late today because we were in the Sea Studios all day today. If any of you guys were hanging out with us earlier,、uh, we had a、uh, a hearing that we were、uh, live streaming、uh, this morning and this afternoon. It was a six hour hearing, and in fact, it actually ended、uh, an hour earlier than it was scheduled. So that was kind of good. It gave me enough time to、uh, get tonight's show together and to have a good dinner. You know. Where I wasn't rushing too much, and then so yeah, that's why we're here tonight, coming to you guys live on this Monday, December thirteenth, two thousand twenty-one, at nine p.m. Central at night. So we don't、uh, often do sea reports this late at night, but when we do, well, we have a good time, ladies and gentlemen. So, anyways, guys,、uh, we had a really good afternoon today. I thought myself. I would really, really recommend to anyone out there who did not get the chance to、uh, check out that hearing in Arizona. It was the Pima County 2020 General Election Integrity Hearing, or the、uh, 2020 in- Election Integrity Hearing.、Uh, yeah, we all know it was about the general election, but generally speaking, we just want our、uh, elections to have some sort of security and. Uh, fortitude and integrity, right? So、uh, that's what we had going on today. Now, the uh, Pima uh, hearing today—it's、uh, all about Pima County, of course. That's the second most populous county in Arizona. And uh, as we all know, uh, unless you are coming to us、uh, for the first time here to the hollowed halls of the Sea Report,、uh, you might not be、uh, familiar with all of the topics that we talk about. But I think we do a pretty good job of fleshing them out. And、uh, well, as I was saying, as you all may know, you know the uh, the uh, sordid topic of election fraud in the 2020 general election is one that the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news legacy media most definitely wishes would go away.、Uh, it is、uh, definitely a favored talking point of、uh, people on the left who dissent. You know. Uh, never Trumpers,、um, pink hat wearers, eh? You know, SJWs. You you name it. You know what those Morlocks look like, right? Anyways, so、um, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, we wanted to make sure that we were able to share that、uh, because, you know, even just based on the attendance there. You know, and it, it, there, it was not a packed house, guys. It was not a packed house. But then again, they did just announce this hearing、uh, within a week. It was like I think sometime last week they announced the hearing. They, did, they announced it on the eighth, like five days ago. The eighth or the ninth is when they announced it, and、uh, it was a total investigative investigative hearing about the findings in Pima County, and、uh, we may remember. That President Trump actually spurred on that entire,、um, I would say, narrative, but I mean th- that entire truth, you know,、uh, because they have been doing investigations、uh, 
everything that they've been doing has been extra legislative. Like all of the investigations, all of the all of the uh, all of the the data mining, all of that stuff. They the people who have been doing that have not had the help, um, you know, that you would think people would have in a situation like that. But uh, most of this has been independent, you know. And uh, for example, you know, we even found out in regards to the Pima County hearing today. You know, there was one segment in the afternoon session where they were talking about canvassing Pima County. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they actually canvassed uh, a percentage of precincts in Pima County. You know, I think uh, I think altogether there were two ladies who presented on the canvassing of precincts. And I apologize. I don't remember their names. Uh, I have it written down somewhere. Uh, well, actually, one of them was the uh, one of them was the uh, the GOP chairwoman of the Pima County Republican Party. So you yeah, can look her up if you want. The other one, I, I apologize, I don't have her name off the hand. Um, but uh, together, I believe they did somewhere around thirty to forty precincts or more. Uh, because one of them said, yeah, it might have been more. It might have been more like 50 precincts. I mean, I don't know exactly how many precincts are inside of Pima County. And uh, to be quite honest, yeah, I've never even looked at a map of Pima County, so I couldn't compare it to anything. But uh, we know it's not any bigger than Maricopa County, right? But anyhow, so uh, they actually did the canvas. They actually did the canvas for this hearing. And it wasn't a complete canvas. It was very time constrained. They started the can. They received their materials for the canvas on Thursday of last week, which means between Thursday and today, they had to go knock on doors. They had to go ask questions. They had to get all of their notes together. They had a lot of work to do, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but the efforts paid off because we got the information that we needed. We got the idea, you know, as uh, as um, I guess as as repetitive as some of it might have been, because we're talking about same situations, uh, you know, uh, uh, our list here says that uh, this residence or this address received X amount of ballots. We go knock on the door. We find out only two people live there and the other ballots belong to people that were there two years ago or who were never even there to begin with. So we got the idea as we went along. Very good information. Very good information. Um, definitely go back and check it out, ladies and gentlemen. We have, uh, I believe we have the morning session uploaded to our podcast already. We'll get the afternoon session uploaded to the podcast after tonight's show. Um, and uh, that way, if you guys want to listen to it, you guys can hear it. It was, uh, especially towards the end, it was very, very heartening and very encouraging. Uh, I kind of felt like everyone who was, uh, you know, checking it out and watching it and listening to it observing it, uh, I think everyone kind of got a lift out of what they were experiencing with the uh, elected officials in Arizona. We had uh, Senator Borelli. We had Representative uh, Biasucci. Uh, we had uh, Representative Fincham, Senator Rogers. And um, there were also uh, four other elected officials that I'm not familiar with. And again, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I can't just spill out the names. One of them I called Jima, and she was totally right on. She was a rad old granny. She could hip hop. She could bebop. She could dance till you drop. <laughs> she could wee wee make a wicked cup of cocoa. She was cool. I liked her. 
Um, and uh, I think she I think she said she represented in Yavapai County and a few others in that area. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, I think she was a former senator, state senator, and now she's a representative. So very cool. Very good information, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's, a, it's very redundant to people in our community. The entire talk about election fraud, the entire talk about, you know, what we need to do and what's going to happen and... You know, when is this, when is this going to come to an end? And uh, when are we going to see the perp walks? Man, well, let me tell you guys, they were calling it out today. They were calling it out hard. But uh, one thing I think we do need to keep top of mind is that the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media, they've effectively snuffed out any conversation about any actual proof of election fraud. That's right. There's been no concrete, solid, verifiable evidence of election fraud. That's what they say every single time. And we know that is false. Okay. And so even though like someone like me, who's been talking about election fraud since March, (laughs) basically since we went on the air, right. And I've repeated some of these stories two or three times because they cycle through the news overs and overs and they're finally getting traction. They're finally, they're finally sticking, you know, election fraud and, uh, general America is no longer a Teflon Don situation. The mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media has to address it just like they have to address the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, which they're trying not to do, but we will talk about that tonight as promised, ladies and gentlemen. We have to continue to shine the spotlights on multiple targets so that we can uh, have that darkness turn to light, ladies and gentlemen. And as that darkness turns to light, so shall the seeds of truth spread. And I think when that happens, guys, well, I think our job will be just a little bit easier. You know, uh, that line we have been towing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, y'all. So we we uh, we gladly shared that hearing today. It was the first in Pima County. And, you know, I'm glad because we learned they're having a hearing like that in Nevada coming up pretty soon. Jim Marchant busy man. And then I think the cherry on top for me, ladies and gentlemen, and and maybe some of y'all won't feel exactly the same way, but the cherry on top for me was, uh, the entire addressing of the secretary of state issue. Okay. It is huge. How big of an issue the secretary of state is. And, uh, I am not the kind of person to uh, blow things out of proportion unnecessarily, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So uh, I try and be a straight shooter, especially when it comes to uh, information that I think is essential and critical uh, towards our goals and towards what we're trying to do here, okay? Not many people are talking about the secretaries of state, okay? And trust me, guys, I do not have a buyout on the secretaries of state topic. Okay. I did not purchase the right to talk about that topic. So if people choose not to talk about that topic, that is on them. Okay. But, um, 
we're all doing what we can in our own ways and we're all uh, sharing what information we can that we feel is important. But uh, it's like I always used to say, uh, you know, when, whenever I would get into a little um, verbal, uh, you know, uh, spat with people about, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, the peripheral issues, they're like, they're like gay marriage rights or uh, my right to a, a sexual uh, sex change, a sexual sex change. You want you don't just want a sex change. You want a sexual sex change. Anyways. OK, let me let me stop that. Or, or you know, uh, you know, my right to an abortion. OK, um, very important. But you know what I used to say to those people? I used to say, can we at least save our country first? Before you decide to go take up arms to have two men on a wedding cake? Like, seriously. I mean, I, guys, trust me. You guys know, if anyone, <laughs> that I can actually really relate to these types of topics. Not that I really care. I mean, I'm not looking to get married anytime soon anyways. But can we at least save our country first? When I started thinking about this, because there was some conversation too about... Um, the uh, the importance of the election fraud hearings versus the importance of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial hearings. And I was like, wait, which one is the distraction, right? Which one is the distraction here? Um, but no, they are both indeed very important topics. But I would have to say when it comes to saving people from uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and saving my country, I'm going to save my country first. Because if I can save my country, oh, we can take care of Ghislaine and Jeffrey, okay? They won't be any problem if we can get the corruption out of America, we can get our republic back, we can get the rule of law back, and we can get the respect of law and humanity back on the shores of America. Oh, then we can take out the, we can take out the, the child sex trafficking rings from here till Timbuktu, from here till Bangkok, ladies and gentlemen. Not that we're going to go and police the world or anything, but I'm sure we'd help our uh, international brothers and sisters, right? So anyways, guys, great, great, great hearing today. I highly recommend it. Uh, if, you, uh, if you do happen to check it out on the podcast, and uh, that, again, my friends, is over at anchor.fm slash the C report. Uh, I would ask that you forward the link to those episodes far and wide. Because uh, people need to know that not only was there fraud uncovered, discovered, found in Arizona, in Maricopa County, it also happened in Pima, okay? And uh, it, it needs to get out there. As much as any of this election fraud material needs to get out, when we have a, uh, when we have a massive censorship on a topic like that, it's our job to do it. And, you know, the fun thing about that is that goes right in line with what they were talking about in the hearing today at the close of that hearing. And even throughout every single member of that panel and even some of the witnesses who testified made it a point to say to the American people, it is up to you. We cannot do anything without your support. Can we, uh, can we say something on the House floor? Can we uh, try and pass a bill? Yeah, we can try and do that. But without the support of the American people, they can't do anything, guys. It's like they're a lame duck. Lamer than illegitimate Joe, if you could believe that.
And uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, good. Man, I can't tell you. Um, they were really driving that point home today. And uh, I think I think it really reached a lot of us. I felt it. I don't know if you guys felt it. I felt it. I was like, this is I was like, I have never heard representatives in a group talking the way they were talking like they could have been sitting at a tavern in 1774 getting ready for the revolution like that's what that felt like like they're talking the talk they're walking the walk and they just need the support of the american people they have the support of the arizona people guys the people of arizona have been amazing they have been amazing but but they need every american support every american support so so yes ladies and gentlemen check it out on the podcast spread those links far and wide post them on your socials get them out there or you know what just just even talk about it you know on your socials you know uh even if it's even if it is a conservative or if it is a uh, you know a free speech platform share it you know let people know that this topic is important to you because it is directly related to our freedom and it is directly correlated to the very existence of this country. The most coveted item in this world is the American vote, ladies and gentlemen. No one else has it. Even as deluded and as, um, as a corrupt as it has become, at least now, the people and the elected officials are talking what we need them to talk. They're saying what we need them to say. They're speaking what they need to speak, ladies and gentlemen. And I am all for it. I am 100% behind them. And uh, so, yeah, Secretaries of State was also a topic there. They even had a guest appearance by the Secretaries of State, ladies and gentlemen. I nearly wet my pants. <laughs> I was having flashbacks, actually. I was getting PTSD. I was like, oh, no, it's like the time that I choked in front of Mark Fincham and uh, Wendy Rogers uh, when they were on stage. Ah, so embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, enough about that, guys. We, uh, we're going to do a short show tonight. Uh, I think we'll probably be here for about an hour. So we are going to get rolling into the news. Uh, we are going to cover Ghislaine Maxwell. We got a couple of Trump statements and we got yeah, a couple of other sh- shorter stories that I think we can, uh, you know, uh, tune into for this evening. Uh, let me jump into the audience. If you're joining us tonight live here at the C Report with I, Mr. C, your host, uh, we are live on multiple platforms, uh, including Twitch, Clout Hub, Trovo, DLive. And of course, we are live at the Pilled.net and the Foxhole.app community, where I tend to jump into the chat. So I'm just going to say hello real quick to the community over there. Aurelius Lot, good evening. It's a good thing you brought your uh, your snacks. All right. Aurelius always brings his snacks. I love it. Relanon, good evening. And thank you for donating 117 gold pills to the show. Your donations really help and they are much appreciated. For those of you who are coming in now, you all missed my impression of Mrs. Doubtfire. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Sean Joe, good evening, sir. Welcome back and thank you for donating the cookie to uh to the sea report tonight sir much appreciated java is in the house uh java says marchant is awesome and he is guys uh marchant in my opinion y'all 
he is, um, what's the word? He is underestimated, I think. Um, I think that no one's paying attention to him. I think, I, I don't think people are threatened by Jim Marchant. I really don't. Because you don't see a lot about him. You don't hear a lot about him. I think I've only seen two interviews with him this entire time. First one was on Bannon's War Room. Okay, Bannon's War Room is where Jim Marchant introduced the entire Secretary of State coalition that he's leading. You know, so um, very, very important man Jim Marchant is. And uh, God, what can I say? God, I would love to pick that man's brain. I would love to pick that man's brain. But uh, yeah, so he was in the audience. Christina Caramo was there. That girl's getting some air miles. <laughs> She's getting some air miles. I love Christina Cramo. She is so nice. Of course, we we had the opportunity to actually interview her back in uh, Nevada, in Las Vegas. The sound quality was embarrassing, but you could still hear everything. But she was such a positive force of energy. Um, I really enjoyed my time speaking with her. Uh, And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get her on the show soon. You know, the funny thing about today's hearing, guys, is that I was like, okay, I've got some uh, work I need to do in the background. This hearing is on. And the thought crossed my mind, maybe I should call Christina Caramo. I've got her number. And I was like, and she was there. So... (laughs) It's a good thing I didn't call her because she would have been like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the way uh, to Arizona right now. Anyhow, so, uh, all right, let's finish up with the chat real quick, guys, so we can get this uh, show on the road. And uh, let's see here. Java, hello. Joyful Lily, good to see you again. Hiya, good evening. Thanks for, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you guys are talking. Uh, thanks for streaming the hearing earlier. Absolutely. Yep. We're just doing a kind of a minute recap of it right now. Cause I was, I, I don't, you know, cause hearings can be pretty you know, drab, you know, uh, uh, we all, we all recognize that and the, uh, the cinematography and the lighting. Right. But anyways, uh, hearings can be drab, but, um, I don't know. I, I felt pretty tuned into today's hearing and it might've been, it might've been because we were talking about it in the chat rooms, uh, while the hearing was in progress. And I think that helped to really drive points home. So that was good time. That was a good time. That was a good, that was, that was, I would say, uh, I would say that it, that was, um, value added. That hearing was definitely value added, you know, value added for us in spirit as well as in information discourse. All right. Let's see here. Let's see here. Good evening, Mr. The Speak Uneasy. How are you doing tonight, sir? Good to see you in the audience. And thank you for donating the 100 gold pills here for you, my brother. Regards from the bartender. Awesomeness, Mr. The Speak Uneasy, the bartender. Host of The Speak Uneasy. That's more proper, right? Yeah, we got it now. We got it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, let me see who else we got in here tonight. Ooh, this thing is moving. You guys are moving the chat. All right, that's good. Casual GG, good evening, ma'am. How are you doing tonight? Great to, ha- great to have you in the audience tonight. And uh, let's see here. 
I think we're good. Ah, railing on. Good evening. Mr. C, have you seen the stillborn baby story out of Waterloo, Ontario? No, I have not, railing on. Oh, I'm going to, something I'm going to have to look into, it appears. Uh, I have not. That sounds, I don't know, that sounds kind of creepy. But most definitely, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's something that we can poke around into. So I love, I love having an audience that is engaged. I don't mean engaged in the show. I mean engaged in news, engaged in politics, and they know what's going on. Because I get hot tips from, uh, you know, the audience members sometimes too. Tombstone, good evening, sir. Never fear. You are not so late, my friend. Thanks for coming on in. Yeah, um, the Joyful Lily says, the chatting makes the hearing fun. I would have to agree with that, guys. It, it helps me retain information, too, weirdly and oddly enough, you know. It helps, me in, uh, um, it helps me retain information. Glad to hear you're doing better, brother. It's been going around thick lately. Tis the season. Yeah, man. Man, Aurelius Locke is crazy. What has been going on around... To be expected, I guess, uh, or not, I don't know. I don't usually expect things like that myself. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. You guys know what it's all about. Okay, guys. All right. Let's jump into today's report before we get... It's already going to be half an hour, guys, and we still got the Ghislaine Maxwell trial to cover. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, oh, I think I plugged... I think I plugged the uh, podcast enough already, so we'll just skip through that one. Let's just get straight into the words of the boss, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this one coming from uh, yesterday, the 12th. Not even believable. How bad the morning television ratings are for Psycho Joe Scarborough and murderer and his lovely wife, Mika Brzezinski, daughter of a war, uh, a war criminal, among other things. Wouldn't doubt that he was also involved with crimes against humanity. MSDNC is doing badly, but Morning Joe is in particular peril. How much longer can a show like that survive? Are the advertisers not watching? The only good news is that CNN, believe it or not, is doing even worse. <laughs> That's actually pretty bad when uh, someone's doing worse than MSDNC. It don't get much worse than MSDNC. In fact, actually, you know, maybe the reason why MSDNC is doing better than CNN is because they have a hard line... Uh, audience there. And that is all the crazy, wacky, left, communist, socialist sympathizers. Maybe that's why. Because they can depend on their base. CNN can't. <laughs> CNN is too middle of the road for MSDNC is what's going on here. That is exactly what we're talking about. All right. Uh, you know, and then I'm sure you guys heard about good old Chris Wallace, right? Good old Chris Wallace leaving Fox, you know, why was he even there, right? Why was Chris Wallace even on Fox News? And I mean, uh, it sounds like he's taking a downgrade. He's going to a CNN streaming show. So I mean, he's not even going to be on the networks. Ha! 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that was probably maybe that was just like a uh, a, a a charity a charity job they gave to him. They're like, well, everyone can pretty much tell you're a dirtbag and you lie. Uh, After a couple of years, people were able to uh, figure out exactly what you were doing during that uh, debate with President Trump and illegitimate Joe and everything. Anyways, yeah. Uh, So long, Chris Wallace. Glad I never knew you. See you down the road, buddy. Second statement from President Trump comes from today. Let's see what she's got to say. Isn't it ironic, don't you think, that Liz Cheney is supporting the same people, the radical left Democrats, that did everything possible to destroy her father when he was vice president and after? A little too ironic. When they are finished using Liz, they will destroy her also. This is all happening as her poll numbers have reached an all-time low in the great state of Wyoming. Talk about a cuck, right? You want to talk about a cuck? Someone who goes to the enemy uh, and then, and then uh, grovels at their feet, gets used by them, right? And then gets destroyed by them. Would that be a cuck or would that be a sadomasochist? I don't know. She is, uh, she's at the end of her rope, guys. She is most definitely at the end of her rope. And, uh, well, good riddance to her. Couldn't happen sooner enough. But once it does... Tell you what, when all ten of the Band of Brothers, that would be all ten of the, uh, senators that, um, voted to impeach Trump... When they're all gone, we'll have a party. How about that? In, in President Trump's honor. I think that'll be absolutely fun. All right, guys. So here's our first uh, seasoning story for the night. I thought this one would be fun to share. Guys, I already feel like we're going to be here an hour and a half. I'm just letting you know. We're 30 minutes in and we ain't even touching Ghislaine Maxwell yet. So uh, buckle up, guys. Uh, out of the AP, ladies and gentlemen, we have a story. The AP interview... Taliban seeks ties with the United States and other ex-foes. Ah, yes, we're going to dip into a little bit of that international news. Now, you guys know, I really don't mind talking about the Taliban. And, you know, they are no friend of mine, and I am no supporter of theirs. However, I'm willing to bet that the Taliban will offer us a lot more than a Western-backed, globalist, elitist, transhumanist group of people who were running that country for the last 20 years, okay? So, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm on the Taliban side on this. I don't agree with what they do. I don't agree with Sharia law. But if, if I had to choose between the Taliban and globalist, elitist, transhumanists, I would take the Taliban, Okay. And as I have stressed in past episodes, that we could have seen a moment here, and I think all of this was catalyzed by uh, President Trump's, um, President Trump's um, uh, peace agreements with the Taliban, and the withdrawal that he had originally, uh, he had originally uh, scheduled, you know, 
I think we had a moment there if President Trump had not been frauded out of the White House. I think within the four years of President Trump's second term, we would have seen a total reformation of the Taliban in Afghanistan. I really do. Because let's not forget the globalist, elitist, transhumanist organizations and people who are ruling, uh, running Afghanistan and the poppy fields and all of that stuff for the last 20 years are cut from the same cloth as the people who basically took over Afghanistan 40 to 50 years ago and then painted them as a terrorist in the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media and propagandized the heck out of this political party named the Taliban and painted them up as terrorists. And then in uh, what? Was it what? 99, 2000? When the Taliban were back in there again and it was, oh, it was the blackest of black Sharia laws. That was a different, uh, that, that was probably also a lot of influence from the globalists and the Western-backed uh, elitists. I don't doubt it, guys. I really don't doubt it. So in this case, because ladies and gentlemen, what is not a better human quality than redemption? Everyone deserves to have that chance. So... Even though these guys have been painted as violent, extremist, anti-American terrorists for the last 40 to 50 years or 60 years or more, I'm willing to bet something inside of me, my gut, my discernment, my heart, tells me that they were trying to move forward with President Trump's plan and it was derailed when the insurrection happened on November 3rd, 2020. Okay? That's what I think was going on. Would it have been perfect? No. Would they still have a lot of bumps in the road? Yep. Would they still have a lot of opposition? Oh, heck yeah. Can you imagine if President Trump stayed in for four years and then we had a total reformation of the Taliban and a withdrawal in Afghanistan? What do you think the Western-backed elitist, the globalist would have done? Do you think they would have initiated some kind of war? Do you think that they would have, uh, I don't know, they would have uh, activated like uh, Pakistan or they would have activated some other, you know, uh, country there or they would have activated what? Um, uh, what are those guys called again? Not, not ISIS. Yeah, ISIS. ISIS-K. They would have activated them. They would have attacked them. Okay. But, but the, the kicker here is the Taliban would not have had, what was it, $80 billion worth of equipment? <laughs> So anyways, let's see what this article has to say. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do also look at um, some of the uh, opposition, the challengers uh, articles, because it's important to know. And also, you know, I could have I could have given you the same story from just the news, but uh, this is the root article. Just the news got this story from the AP. So I'm going to share with you the AP interview. So this is a, okay, so basically, and I like the way that Just the News actually titled their article better than this one. Uh, Just the News says, Taliban seeking to reform asks for $10 billion, you know? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> okay, let's see what it has to say. Because you guys know I love to rock the boat. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see here. Let me go ahead and expand that just a little bit more for you guys. So you get the gist and not all the fluff around it. Not all the fluff, including that fluffy beard, right? So it says here, uh, Afghanistan's new Taliban rulers are committed in principle to education and jobs for girls and women. 
a marked departure from their previous time in power, and they seek the world's mercy and compassion to help millions of Afghans. What is going on here? That was weird. To help millions of Afghans in desperate need, a top Taliban leader said in a rare interview. Okay, so you guys get that? I repeat, the rulers are committed in principle to education and jobs for girls and women, a marked departure from their previous time in power, and they seek the world's mercy and compassion to help millions of Afghans in a desperate need. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what I said when this whole Afghanistan Taliban thing broke. Don't make me play the episode. (laughs) That is exactly what I said. That is almost down to the essence of what I said was going on. They were going to follow Trump's plan for reform, okay? Because he had them against the wall. He's like, I will bomb you in your tent in the mountains, in that cave. Yes, we know what it is. It's the third cave to the right. <laughs> we know exactly where it is, Mr. Taliban. I mean, he, he had them pressed. They had to go along with the reform. Um, but I think maybe somewhere in that, uh, I think somewhere in that deal, there might have been something for them. You know, in four years of a second term for President Trump, he might have helped them develop to where they could, would this not be ironic? Maybe they could have been one of our biggest allies in the Middle East, guys. I know you guys think I'm crazy. I know you guys think I'm crazy. Uh, Let's see what else it says here. It says, Afghan Foreign Minister Amir Khan Mutaki also told the Associated Press that the... Why is it doing that? Anyways, also told the Associated Press that the Taliban government wants good relations with all countries and has no issue with the United States. Now, your typical narrow-minded xenophobe would be like, that's just lies. They just lie. And I'd be like, well, you know, forgiveness, redemption, turning the other cheek, you know, all these great, beautiful things that we've been taught to learn and, you know, stuff like that. So uh, let's continue. All right, because it ain't over till the fat lady sings, right, ladies and gentlemen? It ain't over till the fat lady sings. So we don't know where this is going to go. They could be lying. I don't think they are, but they could be. Um, it says here, they want good relations, right? They want good relations with all countries and that, uh, the Taliban government has no issue with the United States. He urged Washington and other nations to release upwards of $10 billion. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. Of course, if you want $10 billion, you're going to say all of that stuff. You're going to say, we want to be good with everybody. We want to make friend. And you're going to say, um, uh, God bless America, right? Because you want your $10 billion. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not that cynical. Uh, But if you think about it, why do they need that money? They need that money because their country is plummeting. uh, Because, uh, what was it? The former president took off with all the money that they had. And then uh, what they froze the assets of the Western backed globalist Afghan regime. Okay. Leaving no money to this brand new Taliban upstart group. Right. So they literally have nothing. Okay. I think it's because this ad keeps popping up. Okay. 
That's why my screen keeps shifting. For those of you on the podcast, my screen keeps shifting to the left. Ooh, a left shift. That's kind of scary, guys. Uh-uh-uh. Not here on the C Report. No, sir, Bob. Anyhow, so uh, let's see here. Um, he says, or the article continues, I should say. Uh, urged Washington and other nations to release up of ten wor- upwards of $10 billion in funds that were frozen when the Taliban took power August 15th, following a rapid military sweep across Afghanistan and the sudden secret flight of U.S. back president. You mean Western back elitist globalist United Nations former employee, President Ashraf Ghani? That is who we're talking about. Uh, It says here. Oh, whoops. Sorry, guys. Let me expand that. It says here. Sanctions against Afghanistan would not have any benefit, Mutaki said Sunday, speaking in his native Pashto during the interview in the sprawling pale brick foreign ministry building in the heart of the capital of Kabul. Um, Making Afghanistan unstable or having a weak Afghan government is not in the interest of anyone, said Mutaki, whose aides include employees of the previous government as well as those recruited from the ranks of the Taliban. Oh, wait, what's that? So you're trying to tell me now? Okay, if we can, if we can take a step back and remember everything that the mainstream, mainstream, shame stream, fake news, legacy media talked about. Oh, the Taliban are killing everyone who worked with the Afghan government. Oh, no one is safe. And now we're finding out that uh, people... What is up with this thing? The Associated Press has a uh, real hard-on for running advertisements, guys. Okay, so uh, let me see if I can figure out where I am now. Jeez Louise. Okay, so what was I saying, guys? Um, wow, that totally derailed my thought. <laughs> that totally derailed my thought. Let me, let me jump back over here. Uh, yeah, you don't want a weak Taliban government. Look at this. Go away. Oh my goodness. It is forcing me to pay attention to its ad. It's forcing me to advertise for them. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I am being raped. Okay. Okay. Let me just continue with the uh, story here, guys. Uh, and I'm sure if that thought was important, it'll come back to me. Now it says here, Mutaki acknowledged the world's outrage at the Taliban imposed limitations on girls' education. Look, it did it again. Okay. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I tell you what I'm going to do. Cause I, ca- I cannot deal with that. I am just, I am a patient man. I like to say I have the patience of mountains but not when I'm doing a show, guys, and I need to get that info out there. Let's just leave the photo here on uh, Mr. Mutaki. And uh, what I did is I just uh, copied that text. I'm pasting it. Let's go. All right. So the uh, rest of the, we'll, we'll just look at we'll just look at the Taliban <laughs> man. <laughs> we'll look at the Taliban man while I read the rest of this article to you. Okay, so Mataki acknowledged the world's outrage at the Taliban-imposed limitations on girls' education and on women in the workforce. In many parts of Afghanistan, female students between age, uh, grades 7 and 12 have not been allowed 
to go to school since the Taliban took over, and many female civil servants have been told to stay home. Taliban officials have said that they need to create gender-segregated arrangements in schools and the workplace to meet their severe interpretation of Islam. So this is, this is again, another aspect of this entire Taliban debate debacle. And that is the, uh, the Sharia law, the Islam, the uh, segregation of women... But let's not forget, guys, what is what was the number one reason why members of the Taliban defected to ISIS-K or defected to one of the Taliban's enemies? Their number one reason was that the new Taliban regime is not as strict as they believe it should. It's not as orthodox. It doesn't follow Sharia law. It's not as violent. It's it's more tolerant. That's why Taliban members are defecting to ISIS and defecting to their natural-born enemies. So, with that in mind, guys, when they're saying they need time to create gender-segregated arrangements, what I think they're saying there is that based on the entire cultural history of their people and how they used to handle women in society, now that they are changing or trying to soften all of that, that they need time to have to create these segregated arrangements because you got a lot of Taliban. And I'm not saying they're all good. You probably have some real extremists who still uh, reside within that uh, political party. Okay. You probably still have people who are diehard Sharia fans, but they're not going to defect to ISIS-K, right? And Maybe those guys would see a woman in the streets and attack her or behead her. Do you guys think I'm rationalizing for the Taliban? Do y'all think that I'm making excuses for them? Because without gender segregated arrangements, at least at the start, it's kind of endangering the women of their society. Because they can get into a lot of trouble if you get a orthodox Sharia Taliban And he's like, where's your man guide? And why are you out during the daytime without a scarf? And why are you learning? And then, you know, off with her head. I don't know. That's just a kind of a thought that flows into my mind. And uh, as it flows, it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, continue with this article here. It says, when they first ruled from 1996 until 2001, the Taliban shocked the world by barring girls and women from schools and jobs banning most entertainment and sports, and occasionally carrying out executions in front of large crowds in sports stadiums. But Mutaki said the Taliban have changed since they last ruled. He says, We have made progress in administration and in politics, in interaction with the nation and the world. With each passing day, We will gain more experience and make more progress. Mutaki said that under the new Taliban government, girls are going to go to school through grade 12 in 10 of the country's 34 provinces. Private schools and universities are operated, are are operating unhindered. Okay, so private schools and universities, girls can attend. 
the article also says that Mutaki said under the new Taliban government, 100% of women who had previously worked in the health sector are back on the job already. They're already back on the job. Are you getting this from CNN? Are you getting this from Fox? No. You got to get it from the horse's mouth. Mutaki here on the screen. Okay. He could be lying. He could be lying. (laughs) Mutaki says this shows that we are committed in principle to women participation. He claimed that the Taliban have not targeted their opponents, instead announcing a general amnesty and providing some protection. Leaders of the previous government live without threat in Kabul, he said, although most of them have fled. That's also something that is 180 degrees away from what the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media has said. They said everyone's dying under the Taliban. They're beheading people and they're killing people. And you will die if you are a woman, a queer, a gay. Yeah. If you are a Christian, if you worked for the United States, if you worked for Europe or the United Kingdom, dead. Taliban will kill you. And yet here now, as we have had for months, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting information that is contrary to those once believed ideas. But for all things, ladies and gentlemen, as I always say, go with your gut. Go with your gut, ladies and gentlemen. So finishing up this article here so we can move on, get past the Taliban. It says, last month, the international group Human Rights Watch published a report that said the Taliban summarily killed or forcibly disappeared more than 100 former police and intelligence officials in four provinces. However, there have been no reports of large-scale retribution. Ladies and gentlemen, I... I'd be willing to bet, I'll bet you five bucks, that those 100 former police and intelligence officials were probably way into the transhuman, globalist, elitist thing, guys. I bet you they were like, they were like the turnkeys, the henchmen. They were the pawns. They were, they were, they were the ones. They were the, they, they were at the head of the compartmentalized departments. I bet you, I bet you. Will we ever know? No, because uh, it won't be reported on and uh, I cannot read their language. (laughs) Uh, Mutaki alleged the government that took power after the U.S.-led coalition ousted the Taliban regime in 2001 carried out widespread revenge attacks against the Taliban. Hundreds disappeared or were killed with thousands fleeing to the mountains, he said. The Taliban were ousted for harboring al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden for masterminding the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Now, that statement, that sentence I just said, the Taliban were ousted for harboring al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden for masterminding the 9-11 terrorist attacks in the U.S. That's not something Mutaki said. That is something that the AP put in their article as a historical point of reference, I'm sure. But we don't even know for a fact that Osama bin Laden was actually there. And we've talked about this before on the show, guys. So 
Um, but interesting, though. So in the 70s, you know, the CIA and the globalists go into Afghanistan and turn Taliban into a, uh, um, a, a um, household terrorist organization, right? Household name. And uh, just totally destroy their country. And then when uh, the Western-backed globalist regime led by America went in there, they went about, uh, it sounds like genocide <laughs> to me. It sounds like genocide. Uh, Mutaki insisted poverty and the dream for a better life, not fear, drove thousands of Afghans to rush to Kabul's airport in mid-August in hopes of getting to America. The crush of people had generated searing images of men. Yeah, we know all that. Men clinging to American C-17 aircrafts, etc. He said the Taliban have made mistakes in their first months in power and that we will work for more reforms which can benefit the nation. He did not elaborate on the mistakes or possible reforms. Okay. Well, that is a pretty interesting article. Just just getting a, just getting a pulse on what's going on with the Taliban uh, since this article came across my uh, desk today. And I thought I would share it with you all. Interesting information, guys. Interesting information. All right. Let's move on to our next story. This one is coming from Just the News. Just the News, ladies and gentlemen. Just the News. Now, it says here... Oh, headline. Let me expand that for you guys. Headline. 40 states receive failing grade on fighting child sex trafficking report. That is uh, rather stunning. And I thought it would be somewhat appropriate and not too distasteful since we are talking about Ghislaine Maxwell and her trial today. So we got uh, 40 states receive a failing grade. Let me get these shirts out of here. I don't know who that is either. Let's just get to the article. I swear, these, uh, these, these websites have so many ads on them. It is almost overwhelming. All right, let's see what this article has to say. It says uh, 40 of the 50 states plus Washington, D.C., were given a failing grade in their response to child and youth sex trafficking, according to a report by the nonprofit Shared Hope International. Look at all these ads. It's driving me bonkers. Okay. I don't feel like we've ever had this many ads playing before at the same time. Okay. Let me see. Then again, we don't always do just the news articles or Gateway Pundit for this very reason. Because if I'm going to share their article, I got to advertise for them too. And I'm not getting anything out of that. Am I? No, I'm not. I'm not getting anything out of that. Okay. So, all right. So it says here, according to the report, Alaska is the lowest ranked state, while Florida is the top ranked. <laughs> Come on. What, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, while Florida is the top ranked with an overall grade of C. And a score of 72.5 out of a possible 110 points. That's crazy. Florida passed with a C. And that was number one in the country with a C. 72.5 out of 110 points. 
is insane. Uh, and it's quite sad. You know, and uh, I, I mean, like, I've watched some of the uh, some of the uh, press uh, press hearings that uh, Sheriff Grady has over in Broward County, and they are always going after uh, sex traffickers, child traffickers, uh, you know, um, sexual miscreants and stuff like that. So, but no other state in our nation, guys. Uh, let's see what the rest of this article is. It's it is rather appalling. It says uh, states are scored on six different policy issues and given extra credit for extending certain protective policies to youth aged 18 to 24 and child labor trafficking victims. These are the six issues. Number one, criminal provisions. There must be clear criminal laws, including those that criminalize buyers of sex with children are needed to ensure all sex trafficking offenders can be held accountable. Number two, identification of and response to victims. States' laws must identify all commercially sexually exploited children as victims of trafficking and provide for a protective rather than punitive response, which makes a great deal of sense. Again, I'll go back to the Sheriff Grady press conferences in Florida when he's talking about uh, an operation that they have been running to arrest and to stop uh, sex trafficking rings. And uh, Grady said himself, he was like, it used to be that whenever, you know, we had a sting like this, we would round up everyone, including the victims, and they would treat the victims as, unless they were children, they would treat the victims as if though they were prostitutes or as if though, punitively speaking, they were guilty of some kind of crime. They didn't view them as victims. Since then, Sheriff Grady said that uh, they now have um, psychologists, they have social workers, uh, they have people who deal with trauma that are side by side with the police officers and the the marshals and when they do the sting the victims go with the trauma um the trauma workers and uh the perpetrators get locked up they get taken away so i can i can understand that point here now we see why florida scored a 72 (laughs) Because they do that. I've heard them talk about that. Uh, Continuum of care. To break the cycle of exploitation, state laws must provide victims access to funded trauma-informed services. I know that these services do exist, but I don't think they're extensive across all 50 at all. Uh, Obviously, since 40 of our states failed and our, uh, our, uh, what do you call it? Our, uh, our, our melanoma up in, uh, up in the uh, Beltway, Washington, D.C., right? It's getting malignant. It's been malignant for a minute. We've got to cut that thing out. All right. Uh, let's see here. Number four, access to justice for trafficking survivors. A, ri- a range of civil and criminal justice remedies must be available for victims under the law. Number five, tools for a victim-centered criminal uh, justice response. The C Report is 100% listener supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with the C Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support. Become a monthly donor when you go to anchor.fm slash the C Report slash support or click on the support button 
over there at the anchor.fm slash the C Report website, where you can help sustain future episodes of the C Report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support. Okay, tools for a victim-centered criminal justice response. Criminal justice procedures for the benefit and protection of victims must be provided under the law. And number six, prevention and training to help prevent trafficking and promote more just responses to child sex trafficking victims, training for child welfare, juvenile justice agencies, law enforcement, prosecutors, and school personnel, as well as prevention education for students must be required by law. The 10 states with the highest scores are Florida, Texas, Mississippi, California, Washington, Colorado, Kentucky, Utah, Tennessee, and Louisiana. Besides Florida, the rest of the top 10 states were given a grade of D with no 11 with state number 11, Minnesota being the only other one with a D grade. Vermont was the highest scored state with a failing grade. Interesting enough, right? Vermont. And it said the state's overall score, the state's overall score was 37.5 with 6 out of 17.5 for criminal provisions, 14.5 out of 27.5 for identification of and response to victims, 4.5 out of 15 for continuum of care, 8.5 out of 15 for access to justice for trafficking survivors, 1 out of 10 for tools for a victim-centered criminal justice response, a score of 0 out of 15 for prevention and training, 2 extra credit points for extending a certain protective policy to youth aged 18 to 24 and another extra credit point for extending certain protective policies to child labor trafficking victims. Alaska was the lowest ranked state with an overall score of 22.5 given a 4.5 out of 17.5 for criminal provisions 3.5 out of 27.5 for identification of and response to victims, 1 out of 15 for continuum of care, 8.5 out of 15 for access to justice for trafficking survivors, 0 out of 10 for tools for victim-centered criminal justice response, a score of 0 out of 15 for prevention and training, 2 extra credit points for extending certain uh, protective policies to youth aged 18 to 24, and 3 extra credit points for extending certain protective policies to child labor trafficking victims. Quite disappointing, ladies and gentlemen. Who would have thought, who would have thought that uh, Alaska of all places would be the worst for uh, human trafficking and uh, in the continental United States, Vermont would be the worst for child trafficking craziness guys absolutely disappointing 
And uh, definitely something that needs to be... Uh, do I even need to say that? Something that needs to be addressed? Now, here is the report that they had on uh, the child trafficking. Report cards on child and youth sex trafficking 2021 State Action National Change. Uh, it's 45 pages long. Hey, 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 that uh, magic number, 45. But we are not going to read it all, of course. Uh, I just wanted to show you guys the report exists and maybe uh, point out some things here. You know, so it tells you how to use a toolkit. It breaks everything down that I basically just went into. Now, here's a graphic that's fun to look at. Let's go ahead and get this bigger on the screen. Okay. So uh, as you can see, all of the states with this uh, burnt orange type of color, hook'em horns, uh, that is a, a failing state. If your state is this color, you failed. Uh, the uh, goldenrod yellow states, those are the states that received a D. And of course, Florida, well, Florida's gray because they received a C. Man, check this out, guys. The entire eastern seaboard failed for child sex trafficking. The entire eastern seaboard. Actually, whoops. I'll say the, the entire western. Nope. That figures Oregon would, uh... It figures Oregon and all the SJW, like, uh, kitty diddlers, kitty diddlers over there. It figures that they would not be doing much about uh, child sex trafficking in Oregon. All those, like, SJW pervert Antifa people. So anyways, guys, that is the report there. And, uh, well, I mean, it's worth the read, but uh, it exists. And there you have it, my friends. Bam! Oh, you know what time it is. It is the moment... We have been waiting for, for more than a decade. It is time to talk a little bit about Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, we are entering week three, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Now, a little known fact that seems to escape some people, and perhaps they didn't uh, publicize this enough. This trial is scheduled to run six weeks, Okay. Now, I did my just diligence and I did some digging so I could make sure I was up to date on the latest information. It does appear that this trial is going to continue. It's not stopping, okay? It is not stopping by any means, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where that information came from, but here you go. We got to... Oh, actually, let's do this. Bam! Okay. Let, let's get a real picture of Ghislaine Maxwell on the screen. Uh, for the podcast viewers, we opened with a sketch uh, drawing of Ghislaine Maxwell from the current trial, since that is all we're allowed to see. And it's going to get interesting, too, with some of the things that the defense wants to do here. Uh, but now we have, for your viewing pleasure, the worst picture I could find of Ghislaine Maxwell, where she's trying to get away with wearing makeup highlights on a suntanned face. Can't do it, Ghislaine. Can't do it, girl. <laughs> Anyways, okay, enough about that. Uh, let me see what we got here with Ghislaine, 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 guys. Let me see what we have here with Ghislaine. All right, let's start here. We're starting with the Sun Sentinel. Uh, so let's let's kind of recap just real quick. 
they had they they completed the jury uh, selection process the first week within what by Tuesday. Uh, they've had um, up to this point all four accusers or victims have testified. Okay, uh, we've had questions from the prosecution. We have uh, James Comey, his daughter serving as the lead prosecutor. So this is this is not expected to go well for truth and justice, but we will maintain our faith and good works, and uh, we'll see what happens, guys. Uh, so at this point, oh, we've also had testimony from um, uh, like um, we had testimony from uh, a pilot. Uh, we've had testimony from a boyfriend of one of the victims. Stuff. So that's basically what. Basically, the first two weeks, Ghislaine Maxwell has been facing accusers. Okay, that is what has been going on. So this article from the Sun Sentinel: Four women met Ghislaine Maxwell as teens. They're accusing her and Jeffrey Epstein as adults. Now, why that timeline matters or that time frame? The these semantics, the the word choice of this headline. It's like, oh, well, it happened when they were kids and now they're adults. So it, it almost kind of diminishes the crime here, that headline. In my opinion, Tom Hayes and Larry Newmeister, you are doing no justice here. Uh, but let's see what these uh, dorks had to say. Like I said, guys, we do look at enemy uh, propaganda so we can get in on it. Oh, would you rather that uh, the article reads it to you or me? <laughs> uh, this is kind of a recap also, guys. It says, uh, one was an aspiring musician looking for her big break in show business. Another was a model striving for a leg up in British society. A third was a struggling middle school dropout. That was that the last was an impressionable high school student. All were drawn into Jeffrey Epstein's orbit as teenagers and now have all testified as key accusers in the sex abuse trial of British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell. The women's testimony in federal court in Manhattan, at times emotional, offered sordid details about allegations Maxwell groomed them to participate in sexual massages with Epstein. The defense says Maxwell is being made to take the fall for Epstein, who died. Okay, well, I'm just not even going to read that sentence, the, the end of that sentence there. Okay, we'll just the defense says Maxwell is being made to take the fall for Epstein, period. Okay. Uh, it says here, the first three women testified as Jane, Kate, and Carolyn, first names or pseudonyms intended to protect their privacy. The last was Annie Farmer, who took the witness stand using her real name. Uh, here's what they said during two weeks of testimony for the government, which rested its case Friday. The defense is set to begin its own case later this week. Jane spelled out an alleged pattern of deception by Maxwell that would uh, be echoed by others. She said she was 14 when she met Maxwell and Epstein at a music camp where Epstein was a benefactor. And we, we know most of these details, so I'm not going to go through all of those. They got attention. They got pampered. Uh, they got taught what Jeffrey Epstein likes and doesn't like. And then they got abused, according to uh, what they are sharing bravely. Uh, with uh, uh, the jury on this trial. And then you had Kate. Kate recalled Maxwell praising and encouraging her before Epstein sexually abused her during interactions that started in the early 1990s when she was 17. Kate is British. Uh, we'll move down here. 
Oh, this is interesting. U.S. District Judge Nathan Allison, just kidding, Allison Nathan, set that limit on her testimony because she was 17 when she first interacted with Epstein in Maxwell's London home. The minimum age of consent in Britain. Okay. So there was a twist to her testimony when the judge ruled in favor of defense arguments that she should not be allowed to testify about details of any sexual contact with Epstein. And of course, the Obama appointed tranny, Judge Allison Nathan, is all for it. Never mind that uh, she didn't consent, right? Hey, me too, Judge Allison Nathan. The girl did not consent, whether she was legal age or not in Great Britain, in Britannia. Uh, isn't that still considered some kind of sexual abuse or harassment? I could be wrong. I might be right, though. I might be right. Carolyn. A, uh, Carolyn was to provide testimony. A key role for Carolyn was to provide testimonies about what prosecutors called a pyramid of abuse. While 14, she was one of several underprivileged teens who lived near Epstein's Florida home in the early 2000s. Word spread that he was offering $100 bills for massages. And Carolyn was all about it. Carolyn was the bait to bring in other girls. Yeah. You know, if the prosecution is resting after four witnesses, accusers, victims, yeah, what are they going to talk about for the next three weeks, guys? Well, we'll tell you some of what they'll talk about, but uh, I don't like the way where this is going, guys. Finally, we had Annie Farmer, now 42, a psychologist who had told her story publicly before the trial through civil litigation against Epstein and in media interviews. She repeated how Epstein and Maxwell led her to believe they could be mentors only to betray her trust. And then she goes on to talk about her history with Epstein starting at the age of 16. Definitely not an age of consent, ladies and gentlemen. We have here Epstein history in Palm Beach. Epstein pleaded guilty to state charges in Palm Beach County in July 2008. He, he was let off really easily on that one, too. And uh, he admitted he hired local underage girls to provide sex and erotic massages. He underage girls. Can we say children? Can we say children? Sun Sentinel. Can we say he offered sex to children, not underage girls. Uh, who's this Tom Hayes and Larry Neumeister? Not underage girls. Children. He hired local children to provide sex and erotic massages at his home. His sentence has been referred to as a sweetheart deal, and we all know about that if you've uh, been following the story. An investigation by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement focused on former Palm Beach County State Attorney Barry Krischer's decision not to aggressively prosecute uh, sex abuse allegations against Epstein over a decade ago. Epstein's generous work release privileges in jail and allegations that Epstein had sex with young women while under the jail supervision. The investigation found Epstein received differential treatment in jail, but no evidence was uncovered that suggested county officials broke any laws. At least that's what it would seem. Mm-hmm. 
there you go. All right, that's that story. That was a terrible write-up, Sun Sentinel. I'm glad we got to share it so we could uh, kind of uh, debunk your article in Lifetime. All right, next article from Just the News. Ghislaine Maxwell trial suddenly cut short on Thursday after lawyer falls ill. So yeah, uh, when was it? Thursdays when this came out. I think we were going to talk about Ghislaine on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, that didn't happen. And we were supposed to talk about her on Saturday when we did a special C report on Saturday. And we got carried away. But yeah, this was an interesting one uh, also. So on Thursday of last week, the trial gets cut short. Actually, there was not even a trial on Friday. Okay, so check it out. Man, this prosecution has nothing, guys. They've got nothing if they're arresting their case and uh, they took two days off already. Okay, so Ghislaine Maxwell trial suddenly cut short Thursday. Let's see what all the hullabaloo was about. It says here, the federal sex trafficking trial of Ghislaine Maxwell was abruptly cut short Thursday after one of the attorneys in the case suddenly got sick. How convenient. The court was adjourned at about 10.30 a.m. after Judge Allison Nathan was informed of the attorney's status. She also said the court has no reason to believe it is COVID-related. Oh. It is unclear who the sick attorney is. A spokesperson for the United States Attorney's Manhattan office said, We urge you to respect the privacy of all parties to this litigation and not disclose the identity of that attorney. The announcement was made following an extended meeting between the defense, prosecutors, and judge interchambers. The meeting had been requested by prosecutors. Prior to the unexpected break, prosecutors had been scheduled to call their final witness before resting their case. The trial said, uh, the trial said Nathan will resume on Friday. Okay, so it was on Friday. Okay, they did have one on Friday. So Thursday, they take the day off. Someone's sick. Something's going on. Uh, But then... Friday continues. They commence on Friday. They have the fourth victim speak on Friday, testify. And, uh, and that brings us to today, ladies and gentlemen. The latest on Ghislaine Maxwell, the U.S. Sun. Ladies and gentlemen. Ghislaine Maxwell trial update live. Jeffrey Epstein Madam could take the stand this week, ladies and gentlemen. After prosecution rests, Ghislaine Maxwell will testify in her own trial. So this should be pretty interesting, guys. That's what we can expect for the next week. What's going to happen the two weeks after that? I don't know. When uh, I, don't, I mean, when when a uh, when they decide to schedule a trial or a hearing, and they say it's going to take six weeks in the case of Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. And uh, in the case of Jesse Smollett, it's going to take five days. It ended up taking seven days. A week, right? They kind of have an idea of the length of time, you know, because they have to schedule. They have to, I'm sure, make appointments, all that stuff. Um, They have an idea of the length of time that that trial is going to go. So that's why I wonder, what are they going to talk about the next three weeks in this six-week trial? We'll have Ghislaine Maxwell testifying. Okay. And some other stuff too. Very interesting. We'll get into that in just a sec. Let's, let's see what this says real quick. And I'll expand that for you guys as well. It says, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell could take 
the stand in her bombshell trial as soon as this week, once it resumes on Thursday. Uh, prosecutors in Maxwell's sex trafficking trial rested on Friday after a number of witnesses were called over 10 days, including four alleged accusers and two of Jeffrey Epstein's former pilots and one of the accusers' boyfriends. As they made their case, the prosecution showed the jury pictures of Maxwell giving Jeffrey Epstein a foot massage and a photo of the duo lounging in the Queen's cabin at uh, Balmoral. Maxwell is being charged with several felony counts, some of which include human trafficking charges. She has denied all charges against her, and her lawyers argue she's being made a scapegoat for Epstein's crimes. Maxwell will have, to get to, will have the chance to take the stand herself. However, defense lawyers usually advise their clients against doing so. Okay, so I guess this is also just a breakdown. What is the little black book? We all know what that is, ladies and gentlemen. Who is Ghislaine Maxwell? We all know who she is, ladies and gentlemen. Pilot claims Bill Clinton was on Epstein's plane. Yeah, so do the flight logs. Uh, Pilot claims Donald Trump was on Epstein's plane. I don't think they have him on a flight log, right? They have him in the black book, but I don't think they have him in a flight log. Correct me if I'm wrong, audience. Um, who flew on the Lolita Express? Who flew on the Lolita Express? What was the Lolita Express? Yeah, this is just, this article is trying to catch everyone up with Ghislaine Maxwell. Three weeks in the US, son. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Ghislaine Maxwell's romantic history. Ah, no, thank you. I don't need to know about all the things that you did with all the little children, Glenn. Not interested. Next. Now, here's the fun one, guys. This is going to be interesting. From the Daily News. Glenn Maxwell will testify this week. Perhaps the next two weeks will be this. Glenn Maxwell wants to call up to 35 witnesses... In her defense. So I guess I, I, I mean, it took them 10 days to get through six, seven people. I'm sure it'll take 10 days to get through 35. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, yeah. Here is the, uh, here's the catch though. Ghislaine Maxwell wants to bring 35 witnesses to her defense for this trial. But she wants it, she wants her witnesses to take the stand anonymously. What does that even mean? How can someone take the stand anonymously? Unless what they mean is you can't sketch any pictures of them. You cannot write about them in the newspapers. Like you have to withhold their identity. It's the only thing I could think of in that regard. But I mean, if you're in the room and you see Hillary Clinton testifying to defend Ghislaine Maxwell, you know it's Hillary Clinton. Okay, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton is one of her uh, is one of her witnesses, obviously. But what I am saying is, I mean, that's a tough that's a tough rap to follow, guys. That's a tough. I would have a hard time obeying that rule if I were sitting in that courtroom and viewing the proceedings myself. Oh, look it. We found the second worst picture of Ghislaine Maxwell. All right. Continue. Carrying on. Let's see what this article has to say about Ghislaine Maxwell and her 35 defense witnesses. Crazy, right? 
It says, uh, New York. Ghislaine Maxwell still has some friends left. She's found nearly three dozen people who could testify in her defense. The British socialites lawyers shared a list of 35 defense witnesses Friday with the government. A filing in Manhattan federal court late Sunday revealed. Maxwell attorney Bobby Sternheim asked that three of the 35 witnesses be allowed to take the stand without revealing their real names, an unusual request that the government opposed. The court's ruling on this issue may impact the willingness of these witnesses to testify, thereby compromising Ms. Maxwell's right to present her defense, Sternheim wrote Judge Allison uh, Nathan on Monday. The filings did not reveal who is on Maxwell's witness list. Prosecutors called 24 witnesses against Maxwell. We only, they called 24 witnesses and we only heard from what? Seven? Typically, the government calls more witnesses than the defense, since the government has the burden of proving the charges beyond a reasonable doubt. Dmitry Shaknovic a criminal defense attorney and professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice said it's unlikely Maxwell will continue call will will actually call all the people on her list. I don't know if they'll present 35 witnesses because you may put a jury to sleep if you do that. Uh Shaknovic said the feds rested their case Friday against the 59-year-old accused of grooming underage girls for Jeffrey Epstein between 1994 and 2004. Assistant U.S. Attorney Laura Pomerantz told jurors in opening arguments November 29th they would hear from four minor victims of Maxwell. But Nathan ruled during the trial that only two of Maxwell's accusers could actually be considered victims those two accusers who testified using the names Jane and Carolyn said they were 14 when Epstein and Maxwell abused them. Okay. Again, Judge Nathan Allison. Just because they are over the statutory age limit does not mean that they were not victims of either A, sexual harassment, or B, sexual, um, sexual abuse, or C, sexual exploitation. Okay? So why is Judge Nathan Allison, and yes, I'm saying her name inverted, because she looks like a man, okay? She looks like a man. Go look at her. Go look at Judge Allison Nathan. She comes right off the Obama bus. They're all trannies over there, okay? Anyways, so as I was saying... Judge Nathan Allison, and if she's not a man, she is a heartless dyke because she's like, they, they weren't underage. They were legal age. They didn't suffer sexual abuse, sexual exploitation, or sexual harassment. Yeah, I don't like this Judge Nathan Allison. And she is an Obama-appointed judge, guys. She is an Obama-appointed judge, okay? Now... Nathan ruled during, okay, yeah, we, and we already know this because we just actually read this stuff about the 14-year-olds and the age limit and all that stuff. Uh, Maxwell's defense team, it continues right down here. Maxwell's defense team has suggested during cross-examination that the accusers are not credible. Their questions have focused on the women's past, drug and alcohol use, or mental illnesses. 
Never mind the fact that it was probably the abuse that they suffered by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell that led them to the pathways of drug and alcohol abuse or even mental illness. There's no Me Too movement anymore, ladies and gentlemen. The defense has suggested in some instances that the accusers are simply looking for a big payday from Ghislaine and from Epstein. Never mind, some of them have already received millions of dollars. And then, of course, Maxwell pleads not guilty. Maxwell, Maxwell. Maxwell. <laughs> Is Maxwell. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in the audience, Tam Gural says, she's just a very handsome woman. <laughs> Yep, Java, she has shady friends. Casual Gigi says, professional liar, manipulator, take stand, no prob, right? Look into the eyes of this sociopath, ladies and gentlemen. I've always posited that you can tell a sociopath by their eyes. At least in my experience. At least in my experience, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys. I think we only got one more story for Ghislaine Maxwell. It is actually a photo retrospect that comes out of the New York Post. Inside the abandoned sex dens, Jeffrey Epstein shared with Ghislaine Maxwell. Now you're talking our language, okay? Because we all know this. I mean, granted, we weren't there on Epstein Island, Pedophile Island. We weren't in the Lolita Express. We don't know firsthand. But over a decade of this, two decades of this, of of what was known about Epstein, okay, over two decades that people knew what was going on. They just didn't say anything or as a... As a as a treasonous McCain's wife, Cindy McCain, said, people were too scared to do anything. People were afraid of reprisal or whatever it is that they were afraid of. They would not fight to stop these operations. Okay. So let's see what this says. Actually, we're not going to really read it. We're going to look at some of the pictures. Uh, maybe this was one of the photos that they uh, used during the trial. I don't know. There is Ghislaine Ghislaine and Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, yeah. Exhibit 307, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Photos discovered in government raids show Ghislaine Maxwell planting a kiss on Jeffrey Epstein from an unknown period of time. It looks like they are in uh, France. Maybe Venice. I don't know. I've never been to Europe. Couldn't tell you. Looks like France to me. Could be uh, a Benelux country, though. Uh, let's see. It's probably Spain. It's probably Cuba. No, just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Let's see here. They talk a lot about, um, her personal life. Now let's take a look at this photo here. Now, of course, this is the compound. Little St. James and Great St. James. The pedophile island, right? So that's exhibit 326. Another photo. Exhibit, uh, do we have an exhibit number for this? No? That's fine. Yeah. Here, uh, here are aerial views of Little St. James Island in the Caribbean. Yeah. So there you go. 
There's another aerial view. There's their little whatever the heck temple that was. Supposedly a music pavilion. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the uh, violin strings were made out of human hair and flesh or something like that. Right? <coughs> Private property, no trespassing. Yeah, so this is just a bunch of... Yeah, this is what we got. Is this all we got? Do we not get to see the photo of Ghislaine Maxwell uh, massaging... Jeffrey Epstein's bunions, or what? We don't get to see that picture? They don't got that for us? Come on, they promised us. Yeah. I mean, we've all pretty much seen this before. If any of you guys saw the videos of people going to his uh, island there, this is the uh, Florida Palm Beach mansion. Do they mean the one that's been demolished? <laughs> I was like, where's the mansion? The mansion used to be right here, guys. It was demolished, uh, what? Midsummer? Fall? Midsummer? Somewhere in there. There was a New York Post article, and I think we even talked about it. But yeah, this lot right here. That is where the mansion used to be. Here it is again. All right. There we go. There's the photo of them demolishing that mansion. That's the ticket. Whew. Uh-uh-uh, ladies and gentlemen. Exhibit 266. Jeffrey Epstein's Palm Beach home. Police raid images. Ugh, that is a terrible color. What is that, like, creamy puke avocado? I don't know. That's an ugly color. Ugh. Ooh, that's a nice bookshelf, though. Ha, <laughs> look at that ancient stereo system. It was all the rage back then. Uh, the entry to the backyard... Ah, so we actually are seeing a lot more of his interior living quarters than uh, we have before. Eh, this is interesting. This is this is worth noting, I guess. That is an ugly restroom. Ah, it's so tacky. I'm going to start giving y'all interior decorating uh, tips and opinions. <laughs> and I have absolutely zero credibility in that field, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Video of the raid was first published in August 2019 after Epstein's suicide, uh, Epstein's suicide behind bars while awaiting trial. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Now, here's his, his Manhattan property. Let's not forget that that was uh, formerly a schoolhouse. Literally, a school for children is more like a torture chamber for children. A school. Like jail for children. 
What's this? What is this? It says, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's home at 9 East 71st Street in New York City on December 1st, 2021. Epstein's initials were removed from the wall outside the door. Oh, that's what that is. It's this. J-E, no more. All right. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting. Uh, And again, if you are listening on the podcast, uh, you can tune into any of the live stream replays, any of the rebroadcasts. Uh, If you want to see all of the photos that we're looking at, uh, this is actually quite the trove of uh, images. Only one with Ghislaine and Epstein together so far. Uh, This is actually... This is actually kind of nice. Okay. And uh, let's see. More New York views. Mm, let's see. Uh, probably evidence hard drives found during the raids of Epstein's townhouse on the UES SDNY. Let's see what that says. It says uh, a document discovered by the feds on a hard drive in Epstein's townhouse detailed his intimate relationship with Maxwell. FBI digital forensic examiner Stephen Flatley testified in Manhattan Federal Court last Tuesday. The file was created on a desktop desktop by someone logged in as the user GMAX on October 14th, 2002. Jeffrey and Ghislaine have been together as a couple for the last 11 years, the note started. They are contrary to what people think rarely apart. I almost always see them together. The duo was described as thick as thieves, with the file noting they complement each other really well. The document went on to describe the British socialite as highly intelligent and great company with a ready smile and an infectious laugh who puts people at ease. Jeffrey and Ghislaine share many mutual interests and they have a lot of fun together, it continued. On top of being partners, they are also best friends. Oh, and you're the best of friends. You're not even aware you're such a sickening pair. You're the best of friends. Ah, Ghislaine. Look at that. I told you guys you can see the sociopath in those eyes. Do you see the sociopath in those eyes, ladies and gentlemen? They're soulless. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying they look soulless. Uh, That photo I'm showing you guys now is from December. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. No, that is not the photo I am showing to you now. Uh, It doesn't give any information. The uh, caption reads, according to one witness who testified on December 8th, 2021, She saw Ghislaine Maxwell nude and pregnant inside Jeffrey Epstein's apartment. That is not the photo we're looking at, obviously. Let's see here. Previously owned by Victoria's Secret mogul and Epstein associate Les Vexna, the townhouse was built in 1930 for an heir to the Macy's department store. Ah, so we're getting a... There's just more history on the New York uh, property there. Aha! That looks interesting. We might click on that. Hold on. Okay, then it goes into the New Mexico uh, compound also. 
Zorro Ranch, right? Isn't that what that was called? Yeah, Zorro Ranch. With the little with the little devil tail, right? A little pitchfork right here at the end, Zorro Ranch. Virginia Roberts Jufree, who has spoken out against Jeffrey Epstein at Zorro Ranch. That is she. Look at that. That is the compound in New Mexico. That is big, y'all. That is big. Awesome. The New Mexico ranch is completely isolated and not easily accessible. That's interiors. It looks like of uh, stables. Amazing. Man. Would I like to do the sea report from a room like that? Uh, it's mostly the bookshelves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mostly the bookshelves. They have a helipad, an airstrip. Sorry if I'm going too fast, y'all. Y'all let me know if you need me to slow down. Again, we're not getting into the details of... Uh, the property history, but we are just going through some of the pictures. Again, if you're on the podcast, check out one of the live stream replays or rebroadcasts and you can enjoy these photos. Do you think this is the Clinton house? <laughs> Java said Clintons have a house at that ranch. Maybe this is it. That looks like something Hillary Clinton would live in. It's tacky enough. Uh, let's see here. The colors are anyways. Um, yeehaw, look at that. Do you think that is patented human leather? Patented human leather on those uh, sofas and love boys that they have in this room? Could be. You never know. You never know, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let me uh, dodge up real quick to this article I saw on the side that I thought looked rather interesting. And I think that's actually it for Ghislaine Maxwell. We'll know more tomorrow for sure. Uh, when we talk about, uh, well, when they, whatever they do next with their case, we'll, we'll learn more tomorrow. But as far as Ghislaine Maxwell and the trial, that is where we are right now as it progresses. Uh, this article that I just pulled up rarely apart file on Epstein hard drive details relationship with Maxwell. This actually published, uh, December 7th. Oh, so we behind. Oh, I was like, is that a picture of Jeffrey Epstein kissing a boy? No, it's Ghislaine Maxwell. I guess they couldn't show these photos. So the sketch artist had to do a sketch of Ghislaine and uh, Jeffrey Epstein sharing a moment. And of course, we've all seen this photo of Ghislaine and uh, Epstein's uh, arm choking her out. I'm sure, I'm sure they were into that. I am being a little judgmental there. Uh, there are the files that had the hard drives and everything that had that information on it, their uh, relationship information. There's a photo of them kissing. Uh, I guess that's all we get. I don't want to see Hillary Clinton. I guess that's all we get, ladies and gentlemen. But hopefully that gives you your uh, Ghislaine Maxwell fix for today. Now, 
I'm of the opinion that there should be hundreds of people outside of that courtroom in Manhattan with picket signs and posters and bullhorns calling attention to the fact that we have a major, if not one of the biggest, human trafficking, sex trafficking trials in progress right now with the reputation and the freedom of many celebrities, politicians, and businessmen, and world leaders at stake, and royalty. People should be paying attention to this like crazy. And again, guys, where the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media fails, we have to pick it up, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that takes us to our last story for tonight from the Gateway Pundit. Don't come. We can't guarantee your safety. Los Angeles Police Department Union Chief gives ominous warning to Americans thinking of visiting the crime-ravaged city. Don't go to L.A. And don't go to New York unless you're going to go and protest or to uh, picket or to what? Bring awareness to the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. That's the only way I would go to New York right now. Is to bring awareness to the Ghislaine Maxwell trial by handcuffing myself to the courtroom door or something. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm going to handcuff myself to this door in protest of the mainstream uh lamestream shamestream fake news legacy media not covering this story and doing it no justice. And because James Comey's daughter is sitting as the lead prosecutor. Anyways, let's see what this article has to say. Don't go to California. Or I should say, don't go to Los Angeles, okay? We, we, we know the rest of the state is red, just about. Uh, but uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and I'm sure some uh, areas of Southern California uh, are not to be played with. California is experiencing a violent crime spike, crime spike excuse me, just like several other Democrat-run states across the U.S., The issue is particularly awful in Los Angeles, where Soros-backed district attorney George Gascon has immediately woke, uh, has implemented woke felon first policies that have emboldened criminals like never before. And things don't look to be getting better anytime soon. Gascon, Gascon. Remember, guys, George Soros went after the district attorneys. He went after the attorney generals. He went after the secretaries of state, just to name three of his primary targets. Fresh on the heels of several high-profile crimes in recent weeks, including the home invasion murder of notable Hollywood philanthropists and organized gangs of criminal looters, brazenly smashing their way into Los Angeles' most expensive stores, Rodeo Drive, look out! Because Gascon continues to deny the problem even exists. Just yesterday at a press conference, he shamelessly downplayed the situation and called claims of a crime spike an inaccurate perception. Why? Those aren't thieves looting the stores. That's racist. They are actually helping them 
warehouse their merchandise. How about that? How about that? May as well say something like that. D.A. Gascon. No one stinks like Gascon. Ah, just kidding. I don't know why I'm singing out a lot today. You got, I don't know. I'm in, a, I'm in a merry melody today, I guess. I don't know what's up with that. But uh, Jamie McBride, the head of the LAPD Protective League, which is the union that represents all police officers in the city, explained that he's telling people not to visit because criminals are running wild and he doesn't think the police can keep you safe. Nah, not when you're defending the police all crazy-like. Uh, Let's check out these comments. My message to anyone thinking about coming to Los Angeles, especially during the holiday season, is don't. Don't come. Do not come. We can't guarantee your safety. It is really, really out of control. I said it to people before. It's like that movie Purge, you know? Instead of 24 hours to commit your crime, these people have 365 days to commit whatever they want. That is insane, ladies and gentlemen. I guess I will not be taking my book tour to California. (laughs) You're off the list, girl. Sorry about that. Sorry, not sorry. Uh So sad, too bad, California. Mr. C will not be coming your way anytime soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show for tonight. I thought I was going to do an hour. Excuse me. Ooh, that was rude. I thought I was going to do an hour. But uh, boy, did the spirit move me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I must still be feeling, uh, feeling that uh, patriotic high from the uh, hearing that we had this afternoon. Actually, it's probably, it's probably just from hanging out with all you guys. I'm, I'm still, you know... I'm still riding on y'all's positive vibes from this afternoon's uh, sojourn into the Pima County 2020 election integrity hearing. Uh, real quick before we go, don't forget, I said it once and I'll say it again. Uh, check us out at thecreport.com where you can stay up to date on the latest information that we have available. Uh, you know, I'm actually thinking about revamping again the website. Uh, we're already in its second rendition. I'm thinking about doing it again. I, I need to, I don't know. I, I want to get this website looking as top-notch and a little bit professional as possible, considering some of the fish I am trying to reel in. Presentation does count for something. At least in my opinion, it does. Also, ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, are the kind of person that would rather listen to your news, or perhaps you just don't have the time to watch the news on the live streams, check us out at our podcast, anchor.fm slash the C report. Become part of our growing podcast audience, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, it's getting, it's getting bigger. I'm surprised it is getting bigger, but, um, I shouldn't say I'm surprised, right? I am grateful. That is for dang sure. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, you can take the C-Report for with you on a jog. You can take the C-Report with you while you're doing your chores for the day, while you're cooking dinner, while you're trying to go to sleep. You can always count on the C-Report on podcasts. Just look for it on your favorite podcast player or go to anchor.fm slash the C-Report 
And right now, you can support this broadcast uh, by becoming a monthly subscriber to the Sea Report on the podcast. From 99 cents to 9.99 per month, uh, you will help this show grow. And in one month, you will receive 20, 20 episodes of the Sea Report and 8 to 10 shows of other broadcasts every month. Now, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, is 99 cents a month worth 30 or so episodes uh, brought to you by Mr. CTV and this uh, broadcast uh, station? Well, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. That is up for you to decide. Either way, guys, I'm just happy to have you all along for the ride and for the journey. And to know that we all stand together when we're talking about um, restoring our republic, when we're talking about... Uh, saving America and serving justice as justly deserved to all of these terrible, treasonous traitors. Now that, my friends, is consonance. Alrighty, guys. Thank you again for tuning in tonight. Real quick also, uh, Tam Gral, thank you for gifting the shades Need glasses to see the actual evidence? Ah. Just let me know and I'll enlarge the screen next time, Tam Grab. But thank you for those shades. That donation is very uh, appreciated. And Shonjo, thank you again for donating a cookie. That will uh, bring us to the close for tonight. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back tomorrow. Same, same place. Check your local listings for the time, but it'll probably be in the evening. You'll see us again in the evening tomorrow. Alrighty, y'all. Thanks again. The scratching has been released, and uh, I think that's just about that. Until next time, my friends, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow.